Here we are, our 10th episode of The Wandering Wolf. Admit it, you had your doubts that we would get this far. But here we are, celebrating our disepisodal chapter. A milestone. This is the first milestone. This is the... What is it? This is the dirt. Dirt. This is the dirt anniversary of the Wandering Wolf. You know? The dust anniversary. Just a little bit of dust has settled. Not not too much. Not It's not petrified. It's not turned to diamond yet. It's just a little bit of coal dust. That's something to celebrate. Ten apps. Well, I've been back home for several days from the last little tour. I've just been trying to settle in. I ran out of my iron pills. I think things have been a little better since then, honestly. Uh, I'll have to tell Dr. Krinus. It's good to be home, though the first couple days were hard just because, you know, you're used to being around your friends all the time and then all of a sudden you're dropped off and you're alone and all you've got is uh, Twitter and a blank head. You don't have any tweets, really. You know, it can be a bit of a challenge. But getting back into the gym and doing some yoga and stuff really, really helps out. I've been doing a couple yoga classes. I did a Pilates class. Yes, I'm the only man in there. You know, it's making me long and lean and tight. I think the teacher was was focused on me. I think she was focused on on getting me into the positions correctly. You ever tried Pilates? That shit is hard. I mean, this this was a class that was called something like uh, Overburn or something like that. Uh, Feel it sizzle or something. Advertised as a real crunch and munch kind of class. And they delivered, believe me. This is, you know, this is the kind of instructor that gets off on fucking... I think she was like Himmler's granddaughter or something like that. Her name, her name was Heinrich. I'm still sore. That shit was like four days ago, and I can't actually get up without the assistance of some sort of, like, a rope. I've had to hang nautical rope all around my house with a bell, you know, in, in order to pull myself up. Just with the, with the strength of my biceps, she didn't. That's the one muscles that you know they don't really get in the Pilates class. But they, Jesus Christ, they get the rest, the core, as they call it, or the stump, as it is now rendered useless. Today, on the Wandering Wolf, we've got a really cool young lady by the name of Erica Winterstrom. Now. Erica, when I first became aware of her, she worked at the bar that's down the street from my house right now. Uh, She was a bartender. But I knew she was in a band. And that band is called Heartless Bastards. She's still in that band. Heartless Bastards has now since uh, moved. She's moved to Austin, Texas and and, uh, does it from there now. But they've become really successful. You know, they've been on a bunch of late-night TV shows, and they play nice big shows, sell a lot of records. They do well. They make good records. It was a good talk. It's in. We went to a, a, a restaurant for brunch. 
I called her up and, you know, I said, hey, I do this podcast, or I texted her, you know, I do this podcast, would you want to come and, and do an episode? And, you know, everybody tries to consolidate things in their lives, and we both needed breakfast. It was like, all right, yeah, let's do it over brunch. Maybe it wasn't the greatest decision that we made to do that. Maybe we should have gone into uh, her vocal booth or something like that. But, again, this is the wandering wolf. This is not the, the, the sedentary hermit. You know, so we went, we did it in the, in the cafe, and we had these you know, of course, there's always the people at the table next to you. I swear to God, this couple at the table next to, to us reminded me straight up of Fred Armisen and Carrie Brownstein um, as in uh, Portlandia as that the couple that was like, we still go out, we still have a glass of wine, you know, and the, with the, the episode where, like, Carrie's on that one-wheel motorcycle, dude, that shit, they remind me of that couple, like, they just, we go out to rock and roll, oh yeah, we, we know, we know who Heartless Bastards is, they were very nice, they were very nice, they were sharing some, like, serious pancakes or whatever. They're still wild. They were a little hungover from their Chardonnay out at brunch. This is what I thought when we talked about we're gonna go to brunch. I thought, because my impression of, of Erica was like, she's hella rock and roll, you know? She's gonna be still drunk off of some kind of brown liquor. It's gonna be like uh, several mimosas, Bloody Marys, you know? She'd be stirring something with a celery stick. But it wasn't the case. You know, I don't know what her night before was, to be honest. But she didn't seem hungover. And she was very articulate and a pleasure to have brunch with. We both had omelets and we had uh, smoothies. It was very good. I wish I could remember the name of the brunch place. It started with an F. But I'd recommend it. This is in Austin, Texas. Just look up F in the phone book. You'll find it. Uh, <laughs> you're gonna hear him say, he's got a recording device in his hand. He's recording. Are you a singer or a performer? Yeah. <laughs> well, you are too. <laughs> I guess you don't live here, though. We can do duets. Yeah. <laughs> are you guys doing a film? We're just talking. It's a oh, podcast. Yeah. So, where are you from? Uh, I'm from Cincinnati. Oh, okay. Yeah. WK yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and my family's from Ohio, up around Ashtabula. Where at? Ashtabula between Cleveland and Erie. Oh, you ever heard of that? I never heard of I've that. I've heard of Ashtabula. Okay. I love for you.
in old Honolulu, San Francisco, or Ashtabula. The names kind of stand out. I feel like it was in like a book I read in the last year. You're gonna have to leave me now, I know. Yeah, you know, but they just have that kind of... Yeah. Wa- and then there's Wapakoneto, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of the... One. That one I've heard of. Yeah. Indian, Indian name stuff. Yeah. I guess they're Indian names, yeah. Yeah. And Cincinnati is too, right? Yeah. Is it? I think so. No. No, Cincinnati. Roman. Cincinnati is Roman. Or oh. Yeah. Remember? Come on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I should know that. Yeah. Do you you know the story you remember? Uh-uh. Okay, Cincinnati. I didn't grow up in Cincinnati. Okay, so. well, we'll get to that. <laughs> Cincinnati was a... I learned this down at the Serpentine Wall. There was like a sculpture of Cincinnati, and I read this on there. So he was like a Roman soldier in the uh, Centurion, or he was a Centurion, and after war became a farmer. Mm-hmm. And it was like a some kind of, you know... Going down to class... Well, no, no, I don't think it's a cl- it was a class thing. It's more like there's a time for war, and then there's a time to like you know plant the seeds and and mm-hmm. and settle down. <laughs> yes, so that's why everyone's so sedentary in Cincinnati. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you grew up in Dayton, then? Uh huh. What, what was what's... I was in North Dayton, like right actually I was in Harrison Township, but I was like literally one block from the border. And I went to Dayton. What's City the border of, of city or no city? City, yeah, versus Harrison Township. Right. So. Okay. Yeah. Like, were your parents like like Air Force people or something like that at all? My dad worked at the base. Yeah. Uh, but he was civilian. Mm-hmm. He was like in aerospace and stuff. And um, he's retired now, but he's in uh, Nevada. Okay. And my mom taught uh, English at the university at Bright State. Okay. Um, but like ESL, like. Language. Yeah. Were you were you into like all those Dayton bands in high school, like you know GBV and Breeders and these kind of people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Breeders had that like number one hit like when I was probably a freshman the in Cannonball? high school. Yeah, yeah. I was. I, we're about the same age then because I think how old are you? I'm, I'm thirty. Uh, about to be thirty four. I'm thirty five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm actually about to be thirty six. But um, but yeah, and then GBV I got into when I was probably like eight. 17, 18, mm-hmm. something like that. So. First time I remember hearing that song, Cannibal, was I was I was in the ninth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, but it might have been out for a year. I don't know. I didn't really get into indie rock stuff until a little later. I was like... Well, in high school. I didn't right? like it in high school, actually. I was like anti-indie rock in high school. And then after high school, I realized that it was actually cool. Mm-hmm. I was into rap music. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and, and like, for some reason, rap music, and then, like, I liked Fish. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> and then classic rock, of course. Yeah, when I think when I turned about sixteen, I, I had a friend I met that would go to like live like shows by like high school bands and like punk rock bands and stuff. So I think that's when I got into indie or just DIY that kind of thing because mm-hmm. you know and, until you really start seeking out stuff, you just hear what's on the radio and living in a town like Dayton. I mean, I guess. You know, Cincinnati had Waxy, but. but I didn't know about Waxy. Like, yeah, I listened to the Fox. You know, like which was, if you remember, the classic rock station. Oh yeah, now um, it's WEBN, right? WEBN is, I don't, I don't know. It's so jumbled. Of what, who plays what these days? Like, yeah, because like classic rock plays like stuff from the '90s or something. You know what I mean? I'm like, that's not really classic. It rock. doesn't feel like classic rock because we. It was called classic rock when we were growing up, mm-hmm. but I mean, 
I guess it's the new classic rock. Sometimes I'm like, wow, really? Yeah. Like that song is gonna like uh, I don't know, Ugly Kid Joe's. And I Right. go down in history as classic <laughs> right. rock. Right, right. You know, like. right, like Seven Mary Three. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's me. Yeah, thank you. Look at that. Oh, do we get... Oh, there it is. You're beautiful. Yeah. What is that? Bread? That's I bread guess? or something. Oh, that's, yeah. that's what they call... Uh, that's not Texas toast. That's I something else. I couldn't tell if it was a potato that's or bread focaccia. at That's focaccia. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, this is real, This is nice. Beautiful. I need, I need to learn how to make an omelet like that. Yeah, me too. So before that, did you when you say you listen to radio music, what what like what kind of stuff? Like in junior high and stuff, I guess I listened to um, I don't know, C and C Music Factory mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, In Vogue and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. R and B, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, and I listened to some rap too. I remember NWA in elementary school. Yeah. It was like we thought it was so funny just because there was like explicit lyrics on it. Right, right. <laughs> I kind of see, I kind of, my shit is all backwards because I hate, I hated rap back then because everybody at my school listened to rap. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I listen to, I listen to Christian heavy metal. Did you really though? Which I really did, yeah. <laughs> Striper, Petra. Oh, okay. Took me a while to, to to be okay with with like things that when it wasn't live instruments, you know, you could hear that it wasn't live instruments. So yeah, I, I hated that at first. I never really liked like metal and stuff, mm-hmm. like the hair metal. I mean, I didn't have cable television. I feel like I would see it like on MTV if I'd go visit my cousins or something. Mm-hmm. What'd you What'd you dislike about it? Everything, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, it's like a bunch of men dressed up with lipstick and tight spandex pants. I just thought it looked ridiculous, I guess, yeah. even as a kid. That was good. That was discerning. <laughs> that was a good discerning eye as a youngster. And then, like, I just wasn't really... I mean, I look back and I even like some few of the songs and stuff. I, I honestly, like, I, I liked Stripe. It was like a, that's like a peer pressure thing or whatever. Like, it was like, oh, yeah. Like, like Fish. Like, why did I like Fish? Because my brother did, you know, like, or whatever. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to just make him culpable for every bad decision in my life. <laughs> so, what's, what style were you, like, in high school? Was it, like, punks and greasers or, like, like jocks and nerds or what, like... I don't know, I don't what, know what I kind was. Of school it was but. I went to Catholic high school. Everybody had uniforms, but you could see everybody, you know, did different things to, like, make themselves unique, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I was. I think I just always tried to get along with everybody and mm-hmm. and um, had some you know wore some quirky stuff sometimes. Mm-hmm. And do you have do you have like bands in high school? I mean, sort of. I started singing with uh, this group of people, but like we only had one song and we just played it over and over and over <laughs> again, and we never played out anywhere. Nice. We always try to write a new one, and nothing would ever happen. Mm-hmm. So we just played that one song over and over again. Was it like the greatest song? No. It probably sounded like 10,000 Maniacs or something. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Do you, could you play the song today if you think if you... if you? I could. At gunpoint? Yeah. 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 <laughs> but I didn't really uh, 
perform or anything till I got to 18 or 19. What, what made Maybe you, I was 17. What made you want to do that? Or what was the first sort of experience? I've actually that? wanted to sing since I was like three years old. My whole life. Like secretly? I mean, I would tell everybody I was going to do it, but I never did it, mm-hmm. you know? But then I had actually dropped out of high school. And mm-hmm. uh, when I left high school, I was like, well, this is what I'm going to do with my life. I should probably get a move on it. You knew that early? <laughs> yeah. That you, okay. And it worked out. <laughs> that's, yeah. so, that's so rare, I think, you know? <laughs> like, I'm going to drop out of high school and become a rock star. Yeah, well, it's definitely been a lot of work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that, yeah, that makes all the difference, you know? you got to have the talent, but if you don't put the effort in, it's impossible. I mean, I think some people it happens overnight. And there is the luck. There is the luck you know? stories. Yeah, but it's like it's just a matter of continuing on, whether it happens instantly or not. Yeah, you know? I don't know. The stage thing took a long time for me. I think the writing is always what I got really into. Mm-hmm. Same here, actually. I think what helped too was um, I, I got asked by Heather if I was interested in learning bass and playing in Jesus, and I was already playing guitar a bit, so. Like oh I'm sure I can figure that out you mm-hmm. know and so I ended up joining that band and I just kind of got used to being up there and you know mm-hmm. but not being the front person right so I think it kind of allowed the, me to sort of ease into things you didn't have all the onus on you mm-hmm. yeah is that the right word I don't know uh, I still feel like more of a songwriter than a performer you know I mean oh yes yeah, I very much like like the live show and setting and everything but. It's just, like, the, I, I don't feel like it's natural for me, like, in some ways, you know, it's, like, a lot of, like, Heather would be the opposite, like, Heather's right. a performer, she's just, like, oh, and, mm-hmm. like, loves to be up there, and attention, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing, and it's, I mean, that's not, it's just different, you know? It's weird, because it's, it's both part of the same job that we do, but it's, they're two extremely different personalities, types, yeah. that you have to have, like... And in order to be able to write, I feel like you have to be introverted pretty much, you know, like you have to really gather the world within your private mind yeah, um, and process it like that. I find that most performers are actually introverts, really, it seems like, but you have to be but able to get over that. there's like certain people that are, you know, somebody like David Lee Roth is certainly not an right. introvert. Sure, there, sure. I feel like there's you're some right, of that right. like sort of element which is like somebody just kind of loves being out there mm-hmm. and, you know. Yeah, and I think probably the songs tend to suffer. Nothing against Van Halen or whatever, you know. It's probably a different kind of thing, like it's a spur-of-the-moment performance art kind of feeling like, wah, and just like yelling out some words. Yeah. Versus like sitting down and like putting lots and lots of thought. Like I don't mm. picture him doing that, but it works for him. Yeah. And for lots well, of people, you know. He's like, made a very successful career for himself. Mm-hmm. That's true. What drew you to writing uh, or or when? Like was it also around 17, 18 when you started writing songs? Other, um, other than the one song. I mean, I played p- piano. My parents got me a piano probably when I was like seven or eight okay. or something and took some lessons and I was always kind of a play-by-ear person mm-hmm. and get in trouble with my teacher for, like, memorizing the song and not reading the notes, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, I would just, like, enjoy sitting at home, like, trying to come up with my own songs and stuff. And lyrics, too? Um, no, not when I was younger. That, just, so that came later? Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. So can we ask what your band is? Um, Heartless Bastards. Oh yeah. I, mean, I haven't seen you, but I've definitely heard, heard the name. Oh, okay. We're yeah. a long time Austinites and musicians too, so you know. We're local here now. Yeah. So. Oh, awesome. But yeah, but the, the whole band lives here, other than Coleman, actually. Yeah. But the the rest of them all live here. Mm-hmm. Are they are, are they all Cincinnati people pretty much, or or I mean, Coleman's Dayton, I guess. Well, Jesse lived in Cincinnati for fifteen years. That's okay. how I met him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's from State College, Pennsylvania, though. Okay. And then Mark. Uh, so I moved here, and Dave already happened to be living here, mm-hmm. and I ran into him. Colvin was not in the band when you moved down here. No, yeah. He was already here going to UT. But you had played with him in Jesus earlier. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I ran into him, like, at a Dr. Dog show. Okay. Uh, yeah, and then I called Jesse up and asked if he'd be interested in moving down. Because he was in this band... Pearlene, which I thought were really good, but it, they'd been together a long time, and it, I, it just didn't seem like it was going anywhere, and I know that he was a great, great bass player, and I mm-hmm. thought, well, gosh, I'd rather just see if he's interested than meet some stranger here that mm-hmm. I don't know their personality that well yet, and, yeah. you know, it's like, sometimes it's hard to know what you're going to get <laughs> when you're traveling with people in a little van all the time. So, but yeah, he told me I couldn't have caught him at a better time, and he had just gone through a breakup, and and I think he thought it'd be good for him to, you know, try something new and get out of town. Mm-hmm. So he moved down here, and then we had met Mark down here, and he did sound for us as a on a three piece tour, mm-hmm. and uh, but we heard he played guitar and, and that he was good, and we just got along with him well. And uh, so we're like, hey, you want to join the band? <laughs> nice. Well, how, and how, when did you move down here? What year? 2007. Okay. Like at the end of the year, like okay. November or something. Yeah. But you were going before that in Cincy, right? No, but I toured so much that um, that I wasn't in town very much. Because like our second album came out in 2006 and then we toured quite a bit throughout I think it was August of 2006. So mm-hmm. it's, we were gone a lot of the year of 2007. And then um, I was working at the tavern, and I'd come home and maybe work for a couple weeks and then leave again for three or four. Mm-hmm. So it was, yeah, I felt like I was gone a lot that year. Did you start to, do you feel like when you moved down here, things like clicked or something with your career? Did it have? Did it make an impact on that? You think, getting out of Cincinnati, moving down here? Well, I mean, I guess I'd already started working on a lot of the material, and our things really took off on the third album. But I don't know if specifically moving here mm-hmm. uh, is what did it. But I do think that um, you know I've met some great people that have ended up giving me great opportunities and, and such since I've lived here. Yeah, and, uh-huh. the third album was the one. Was that the one Mike McCarthy did? Yeah. Okay. I always feel like it doesn't matter where you live as long as you're tour a lot or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there are some opportunities yeah. that I think that we've gotten. Right, you wouldn't probably here. wouldn't have worked with him and or Eno, right? I mean, actually, I'd already had plans to work with Mike. You did? Okay. Mike's actually from Cincinnati. Really? Yeah, uh, his I sister had said that he, she thought that he would like us. So I had already intentions of working with him on okay. the mountain either way yeah. and that's why it kind of made sense to move here because my management was here and okay. I was already going to work with Mike and I have some family here so how, how long have you had like didn't you like um, 
you did a lot of your career stuff on your own early on, right? Making phone calls, all that. I didn't shit. have a manager till the end of my second album, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, or the end of the tour cycle and stuff. Like we probably got one in the summer of two thousand six or something, or two thousand seven. Yeah. Do you feel like having a manager though, like changed it? Because I'm going through this right now. We just hired, you know, we hired Brent. Oh yeah. As a, as our manager, and I feel like it, it's really freed me up to not really have to think about shit. Oh yeah, I mean, I still do a lot of things I like to take part in just because I like to sort of oversee everything because it involves me so much but I can't imagine not having one I mean gosh so you used to do it even when oh yeah we did it for years yeah yeah thing I noticed when you manage yourself sometimes like if people won't reach out if they know they're reaching directly out to the band Mm -hmm. but the second you get a manager it's like they'll reach out to them even if that manager didn't bring you the opportunity, I don't know what it is, but I mm. think it's like... Yeah. It's easier to, to make those connections because people feel like... Or maybe if it's an opportunity, but they feel like some negotiating's involved, it makes right. them uncomfortable. Right, they don't want to sit and negotiate with the band. With the, yeah, yeah. Like, as soon as we got a manager, all these opportunities started coming back in, but they were from us, not because the manager is bringing them in. Yeah, but and, it's nice to be able to say... Okay, here's my manager's email. You know, figure it out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? From, yeah. from there on out or whatever. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I still like to take part in is I know what everybody wants in the band schedule-wise and things like that. So I really like to be involved in the planning of time frames. And, yeah. And I like to recommend cities sometimes. Maybe we want to try someplace new or... Yeah, because you're out there, and you know, you know, the the agents aren't out there in the world. They can't see the potential necessarily with yeah. certain cities. Or, or it might be like to my like I we did this film soundtrack for a filmmaker in Missoula, and I knew that we would do well there because there's a lot of support for it. Mm-hmm. But I had to like pull teeth to get our agent to book us there because it's like it's not a major market, mm-hmm. you know. But then we sold it out in like Missoula's Montana. Tight. It's what awesome. What room did you sell out? The top hat. We didn't do that one. We did something else. There used to be this club. I think it's still there called the Badlander. And mm-hmm. then there's like a theater too. That's, That's what like, we played. God, that theater sounds horrible, right? It sounds it's bad. Like major echo. We, we opened but it's a nice, by Truckers there. It's a nice room though. I mean, no, you know, it it's nice. Yeah. And apparently David Lynch like grew up upstairs from there or something. Oh, really? That was the, what somebody said to me. I don't know. Huh. I know he's from Missoula. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Missoula's fucking I awesome. think Missoula's really awesome. It's beautiful. Yeah. I don't know if I could live there just because of the winters last for so long. Yeah. But I mean, honestly, <laughs> even after this year, I, I, even Cincinnati, which is not, you know, not the worst winters in the world, I'm like, I don't, I don't want to live there during the winter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's fucking dark and cold and, like, yeah. sad. And, like, I, I was just, like, stuck in my house all winter, you know, and you're like, oh. I'll probably end up. I never used to mind it because it was like what I was used to my whole life, mm-hmm. and I didn't think about it. And then it's so sunny here, and like sometimes you'll have like a seventy degree day in December. Or once you January. get a taste, once you get a taste for, it's hard for me to imagine going back to. A that's really the thing gray. is you get used to it. You're like, oh, I'm just I'm just fucking t- terribly miserable for four months out of the year. That's just how life works. Yeah, there are four months where I hate the world and life, <laughs> <laughs> and then the sun comes back out. I, I think it's at some point I gotta. I don't. I'm not gonna move permanently, probably to somewhere else, but just at least to sublet somewhere. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. 
So you you love recording, I take it. I do. Or you love songwriting, but not necessarily recording. I like recording. This last record was a lot of fun to make, and I really enjoyed recording again. Yeah. I think. That seemed like an awesome situation. Remember we came by and listened to oh, yeah. a song at, at, at Jimmy Nose uh, studio. That well, the was, whole band was real enthusiastic, and Jim was great to work with. Yeah. And there's skylights in there, so mm-hmm. you're not in darkness mm-hmm. all day long. Or, like, I mean, artificial light, I guess I would say. But, I, like, with Mike, um, I had session musicians. I was just kind of in a darker place, you know. Gone through a breakup, long, long relationship. Moved okay. down here started working with with Mike, session musician. First time I'd ever worked with a room full of strangers. Yeah. It's just kind of not not a good time for me, I guess. Session musicians, uh, could, I feel like that would be weird. I, I mean, I'm... Yeah, I, and they were all nice and cool. I got along with them, yeah. but it's just... Uh, We've done, like, you know, overdub musicians, but not. I've never had, like, like everyone that I've always played, like, you know, ground tracks have been friends, you know, but, like, like you know, you bring in a violin player or bring in a horn player or whatever for... And in that, in that case, it's easy enough because you just have them read music off of a thing. But if yeah. if I had to like actually play with somebody I didn't know, it'd be weird. I think. Yeah, yeah I, I the first two albums I didn't really know what I was doing, and we didn't really have a producer. And on the so on the second one, I brought in string players, and I realized for the first time a lot of people don't play by ear. I'd, I'd have to like hum the part. Yeah. It, I swear we spent like five or six hours on a very very simple part. Yeah. And then towards the end of it, I was like, well, try some different stuff, you know, just have fun with it. And they did some cool stuff, but wow. Like, are you a control freak or are you like, here's my song, let's do whatever? I'm a little bit of both. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, I I definitely, when I create an idea, I have a vision. And uh, when you're, you know, creating like a rhythm, it's like there's just, there's this feel to a song when you get the idea. And it needs that certain feel. So, you know, it doesn't always work out where everybody picks up an instrument and instantly has that feel. So sometimes you have to, but I don't like tell people exactly like notes to play or this or that. I just kind of aim to get that feel. Yeah. I mean, I guess it just depends. And every once in a while I do get some specific ideas that I want to be a specific way. But, yeah. Um, but I like everybody to be creative within the process. And uh-huh. I know everybody enjoys it more that way. Sure. And I also think that once you get that feel going, there's a a lot that people can open your eyes to where maybe it's not exactly what you're thinking, but it's even better. So yeah. I try to be really open-minded. I guess each song is a different case. But I, you know, so I, I guess I'm both... Yeah, you know, I'm 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 working towards trying to be more open and more, you know, I think my my tendency is to be a little tight, yeah, you know, and to be a little like, no, I want it like this, you know, even I though, used to be, yeah, more not so, to be like but that. I feel like it can make it sometimes a little more one dimensional, yeah, because it's like, like when I watched that documentary yesterday, you know, people were saying like everybody's like music's kind of like a heartbeat and everybody's is a little different, you know, yeah, and like. Everybody's got a different feel for things, and but sometimes you know, like I used to have fun like doing stuff on my A track, and I would like mm-hmm. play every part. Yeah. But I feel like it's all that same rhythm for my same heartbeat, and so I feel like having other creative like elements, even if guided by my idea, can like kind of add something more. I don't know, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. 
if you have multiple people working on something, it's best to it's best to uh, yeah have a little diversity in the in the sound and yeah. But I, I think there's also that the, there also needs to be some sort of helm in a way. You know, there needs to be some some focused energy. You know, like oh, I agree. Like, yeah, you know, just just sort of jamming something out doesn't really. Cut it, it certainly does. Yeah, someone has to be like okay, let's direct. It's it this like way a director, like yeah. a captain of a ship or something. Totally. Wanna, or you need the the head chef. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Like he or she's not going to do all the work, but like they have. Well, there's got to be like a set direction you're heading, or else everybody can go every which way. It's quality control. It's somebody to say, okay, yeah, that's 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 right. Yeah, yeah that's I agree. Important. You moved here after a breakup, is that right? Mm-hmm. Do you find that you end up in relationships often, or are you are you a loner mostly? Probably mostly a loner. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I have lots of friends, but I like don't feel like I've always got to have somebody there. Do you, you think that as a songwriter that those two things are related? Probably a little bit. I definitely enjoy my alone time and I have to write alone. Sometimes I'm a little moody if I'm having some writer's block. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you write like all, like all the time or are you like do you have like little spurts of, of inspiration or how, how does it tend to come for you? More and more I write less and less but I'm putting more thought into it while I'm functioning with my day and then figuring out where where to go with it. I uh, I mean, the melodies come right away, but like... Lyrics are hard. Yeah, yeah, it takes me a long time. And so sometimes I just kind of don't do it for a while. Mm-hmm. Take a break. Or else I feel like, because if I'm having days where I'm not productive, I'm a little bit hard on myself. So some days I just don't even bother. Yeah. <laughs> Because so you I'd say some days, like, so like, but like, you you'll try to write like most days. Is that what you're saying to me? I always have the intention of to like really? whether I actually try or not. Like in really the morning, happen. like you wake up and you try to, or like what what? I don't really have a routine now. I used to in Ohio, like I worked a bartending job, and so I'd wake up probably 10 a.m. I worked late and. I'd drink coffee for an hour, and then I'd start to write. Fuck. Just write in my pajamas. Fuck, <laughs> and man. Then there, and then, like, maybe mid-afternoon, because I, you know, was on a later schedule, I'd have to get out of my house and go run errands or go find something to eat in the neighborhood, and then I'd come back and try to write again, and maybe I'd get writer's blocks, and then I'd, like, watch the Law & Order rerun. <laughs> I don't even have a television now, but I, uh... Maybe that's the whole problem. Maybe that's the issue. No. Yeah, nah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have a computer, too, so I can always find something to distract myself. I tell you, yeah, I I feel like I always struggle with the the routine thing and the writing thing. It's like, my life is so chaotic, you know? Well, my ex-boyfriend worked 9 to 5. So I knew that I wanted to mainly be done writing when he got home. Yeah. So I had my time alone where I had the house to myself. See, that's and so, then we'd have so dinner and so like nice. just relax and then I would go to work. I wish I could get into I mean I've had little spurts where I've gotten into grooves like that, but it's been a while since I've gotten yeah. like any regularity as far as writing. I mean on the last album I took road trips by myself all over. Really? Yeah. And you would just go stay in a hotel somewhere and then just... Sometimes. I found, like, a cabin in Pennsylvania once. And I uh, have a friend who has a house out in West Texas. 
on a ranch, so I would just stay out there. So you just um, go out and these places. And that places, was free, so it was a lot more affordable. Just with like a guitar and a and a what a laptop or something like that, or a, I wouldn't even record track. it. Oh, you wouldn't even record it. No, remember I remember. It. That's, yeah, that's impressive. I've actually started to record like voice memo stuff just yeah. in case I yeah. forget, and also I've let so many ideas build up lately that I I wanted to be able to sift through ideas because I know they're always going to come back. They usually do. Like yeah. I'll have an idea from if they're four good. years if ago good, pop in my head, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. But like I've started recording all the memos because it just helps me. Yeah, get a little bit more of a direction, I guess. Yeah. Do you find you're able to sit and like? write a song as a whole thing or do or do you write in like little parts and then and then join things together or how, how does it work for you usually well i don't know it's a little different every time there's always a melody that pops in my head that's how it begins and sometimes the changes are already there mm-hmm. like the sections mm-hmm. and sometimes i'll just have this snippet and it, and then i have to figure out what to do right um, but it's it'll be weird like maybe i have an idea from 4 years ago and then I write some new snippet, and then I realize that it fits with something I did four years right. ago. And That's I was like, oh, I always happens. knew that I saved this for some reason. And, yep. and so I just kind of, I feel like it's somehow time allows the song to create itself. Yeah. You know? Time, and I, I think time like, is very important. You have to let things marinate sometimes. Yeah, and like forcing a song is, I mean, there's a lot of things I just shelved for a while because I'm like, this thing is just not ready to mm-hmm. be worked on. It's not the yeah. right time or something. Sometimes I'll have like either lyrics or a melody all together and then like I haven't gone through the experience that, that will yield the lyrics yet. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then like yeah. go through it and be like, oh. Okay, here's the lyrics for that melody. Like, this is it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Actually, like, there was a song on the last one I did. I wrote, actually, and completely arranged the entire song in 2000, early 2007. And yeah. then I didn't even put it on an album until the last one. It's funny, because on that song, there's a lot of changes, but it's all kind of a lot of the same chords but they're done a different way okay. so like I remember too like at that time somebody telling me oh it's like it doesn't really go anywhere and I think they weren't getting where I was trying to go uh-huh. and then I played it and for Jesse and Dave and Mark and they instantly liked it and got, got which, what I was which trying tune, which to which tune is it? Uh, down in the canyon structure from beginning to end and it's there might have been a couple changes we made but pretty much it was beginning to end it 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 is a strange and elusive thing inspiration and all that stuff and when when they come to you and when they don't yeah i think everybody probably feels like i do like you know you wish you could just control how to how to you know like you hear about people 
routines and all this shit, like, you know, Hemingway or something, like, you know, yeah. 7 a.m. every day, 7 to seven to 2, you know, every day, like, I... I think routines can be really important, though. It's like Bob Pollard's, like, one of the most prolific artists I can think of, but he, I believe, has routines, or he's basically tries every day. How does, and, he, how um, does he do it? What's sometimes, his... you know, it's like, I don't know if muscle memory is the right word, but... It's sometimes lately, it's been hard to get back into writing mode because yeah. I've put it off for so long. Well, the touring, I mean, for me, it's like touring affects it so much. Or, or that. I can't write on tour. I'll get no, ideas, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I get little uh, things, but it's like such a different mind state, you know? I also like to be alone and no alone time ever on tour. So, yeah. I mean, unless I'm like in the bathroom or like yeah. maybe go for a walk. <laughs> you gotta get, do you guys take buses yet? We took a bus uh, early last year. Did you like it or you didn't like it? We had that bandwagon thing. Did you yeah. guys ever use one of those? No, we never did. I, I don't um, know what they are, though. There were th- things I liked about it and things I didn't. Yeah. Like, I, we worked so hard when it came out. We did, between press and radio, we did 12 hours a day, every day, for six weeks. We took three days off in six weeks. Oh. God. Even like one of our days off, we drove to three cities in the state of New York to perform on radio stations. Fuck. And we started at 9 a.m. and ended at like 11 o'clock at night that day. And that was our day off. But that so shit paid off. That definitely paid off. I mean, it, I think things went well this year, but I, we all talked about like, that's just too that's much. That's too much, yeah. It was like to the point, I think we were all kind of getting pretty miserable like just you know we're definitely going to take a bus out when the new album comes out originally i wanted to justify getting the bus you know oh we can get to this town early and do radio and this and that but i want to make it a little bit make it about your own well you got to be able to enjoy having a little bit of the bus and being able to wake up and maybe see something once exactly enjoy your life i don't i mean i barely had time to walk take a walk down the street you know it's like I'm telling you, with the bus, like, yeah. you get in, you wake up, you really do have some time to yourself. Like, you can you can leave the band, you know, you, you, you have two, three, four hours, you know, to just walk around, see what's around the town. You might be able to ride a little bit, you know, like... Yeah. I think, too, the bandwagon shocks aren't quite as good as, like, a standard bus, heard, yeah. so the sleeping was a little more difficult, and there was this weird, like... We had to start shutting the water off because there was some leak when you left the water running in the bathroom. And it really grossed us out. Like, several days into the tour, I'd get out of the bunk in my socks and realize that I just soaked up a bunch of water on the carpet. And I'm like, I didn't know what the water was at first. I'm like, is this, like, sewage? But it ended up being, you know, the clean supply from the tank. But Well, at least that's the case. But still, like... Yeah. Yeah. But I think if we had a nice, a, a real bus, that'll be good. Because they have that, like, back living room and the front one, too. Yep. So you have a little bit more space with yeah. everybody. I, yeah, I tell you, we, we've started to, to just make no money and just make our lives com- more comfortable. That's kind mm-hmm. of how what our priorities went, you know. But. That's kind of where I'm at a bit. I mean, as far as... Like, I don't care if it costs more. I'm yeah. going to get it. You'll still, <laughs> you'll still do fine on the... T- like, you know, you may not bank hugely or whatever but they'll still do fine with that yeah it was a little initial shock on the first one because we have a 50 50 like a good sharing sort of deal with our label but Mm -hmm. um because of that the initial cost of purchasing the cds it's a lot more than i anticipated yeah so we got back from the tour with the bus and then we had this like 
gigantic merch cost. Yes. But now that I know that, I mean, I guess it's just a matter of being aware of it. Yeah. <laughs> how, to, how to, like, deal with it and manage it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, we had worked that six weeks with three days off, and when I, we got back, it looked like shit. we were going to make, like, literally minimum wage. Really? Yeah. But we had also had a huge t-shirt order, and we ordered a lot of excess, too, so we wouldn't have to do any ordering for a while. Uh-huh. We didn't know how well we were going to do, but I would rather have too much than, like, run sure. out of stuff midway sure. through tour. There's just no way to get it printed. Yeah. So, so that was more the reason than anything. I just, I, I just um, feel like I can't stand that, that kind of touring. I just, I, I just, I just feel like I don't want to do it anymore, you know? Yeah. Like, I just, well, I'm certainly want to do, like, a bit less in the future. We've really been on the road a whole lot and yeah. circled the country three times yeah. in the past year, and... It's been good, too, but I just, you know, I, I figure I'd like to think we build on something now, and maybe we could do, you know, some little shorter runs, major yeah. markets kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, because you guys do all the real small markets. Yeah, I mean, we'll play Fargo and yeah. Des Moines, Iowa, and, like, I'm sure St. The, Petersburg. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sure the people appreciate it, but... I'm glad that we have, and I still want to do it a bit here or there, just mm-hmm. not as much as we have been. Yeah. All. Well, cool. Should we should we take off? Yeah, yeah. So, so wow, you think that picks it all up and everything? Well, yeah. I think yeah. I think it did fine. There it is, folks. Episode ten of this podcast. That's my Cincinnati accent, folks. Poke your penis out here, Nicholas. Get out from between those bushes. My up, my up the street neighbor, my best friend when I was a kid was Nicholas Tanner. His dad had a Cincinnati accent, I would say. He was like our third base coach for uh, Little League. Jerry Cook, of course, was our was our head coach. He was Justin's dad. He also had a Cincinnati accent, I would say. They all did, all those guys. Did they call me Yoni? Fucking run home, Yoni. Go home. that was a good episode there was some good talk there it was loud as shit in that restaurant i'm not i'm gonna stop apologizing for that no more apologies it's too late to apologize that was a hit remember that a couple years ago great song undeniable hit it was loud as shit in there though very loud forks knives spoons laughter in the background birds cackling Cars driving by, assholes with their loud ass motorcycles. You drive that motorcycle right up your own ass, sir. I said that to him too. No, I didn't.
All the music you're hearing on this ep is Heartless Bastards. I should have some like Wolfpack Productions, but I don't have that. I'd have to copyright that. I'd have to try that out with the patent office. As always, I love the feedback on Twitter. It's just Yoni Wolf, Tumblr, OKCupid. Hit me up if you want to get your lady dick sucked. Great talking with you all. I'm almost, I'm sad to, to press stop on this recorder. I just want to keep going. I know you want me to keep going, too. I know you want me to just keep rambling and rambling. I'm going to have a fade-out over this section. This is a new thing for me to have this fade-out. Listen to this fade-out. It's fading And that's it for, for The Wandering Wolf, episode 10. The decentennial episode. The Desap. The Des episode.